We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. Regular guest on the show, Will Jackson. Will, we are talking about another Nets loss to the Bucks. They fell tonight 124-118. How are we doing, Will? Uh, frustrated, I think is the best way I could put it. Just a lot of a lot of moments in this game where it felt like the Nets could have possibly taken control, or even if they just showed a little more effort that they could have taken control of this one. But at the end of the day, just the Bucks were the better team. They were the more physical team. Obviously, the Nets are missing a big piece of James Harden, but at the end of the day, I didn't think it mattered in this one. Just lack of effort and and some poor shooting nights from a couple guys led to a loss. Yeah, and I think we have heard in the past Kevin Durant talk about championship habits, and the Nets didn't have those tonight. A lot of the small plays were in favor of the Bucks. We'll discuss that and plenty more. You can find the Brooklyn Buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Will, in your eyes, what was the most frustrating aspect of tonight's loss? Uh, there, there are two that stick out to me most. One is... DeAndre Jordan and I felt like the lack of effort that he showed at times especially in the first half when it comes to rebounding and offensively just catching balls from guys in the post or whatever I just feel like he didn't have it. a lot of turnovers from him and then also Steve Nash I felt like it was a, definitely one of his worst coaching performances of the season kind of felt like one of those early season games where he was you know adjusting to coaching in the NBA for the first time just a lot of you know not playing Bruce Brown in the first half, uh, the whole thing with Claxton. No timeout in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but I was about to say, on um, when the Bucks went on an 18-1 to run and the, and he didn't call a timeout, just just the different defenses that he kept throwing at Giannis that I didn't think were working at all or had no chance at working. Just a, a very disappointing game from, from his side of things. 
Yeah, I definitely with you, DeAndre Jordan, in the aspect of just the effort level. Specifically, there was one play where he grabbed the rebound without jumping and Dante DiVincenzo poked out of his hands. Like, he's supposed to be a seven-footer that brings physicality and rebounding to this team, and he just doesn't do that. And I think at times, you know, obviously, you don't like to, you know, shit on players or anything like that, but it's hard for the Nets to play at a high level when he's on the floor because he typically makes some of these mistakes and he just doesn't execute at a high level and the effort level isn't necessarily there for him. You know, we're talking about 15 minutes, two points, 0-1 from the field, two of six on the free throw line, did have nine rebounds, one assist, and like you mentioned, three turnovers. So it's just like, it's very frustrating. And also Giannis looks very comfortable attacking him because like we've discussed, uh, Jack and I discussed in the previous show, is DeAndre doesn't really intimidate Giannis. Giannis is comfortable kind of you know, creating physicality in the paint. I thought on some possessions he did a little bit better than the previous game, but still not ideal type of game for him. And on the Steve Nash front, definitely think there were some mistakes in this one. Part of me kind of wonders to an to an extent is, you know, is Steve Nash trying to keep a couple things up his sleeves? Like, I think there's some clear-cut aspects where the Nets could have attacked tonight, specifically trying to attack, you know, Brian Forbes and uh, Bobby Portis on the other end of the floor. And that's also something that's a little bit easier to do with uh, James Harden out there because we know how that guy can hunt switches. So I wouldn't be completely surprised if Steve Nash is kind of keeping something up his sleeve. And also on the Nick Claxton front, I just feel like they don't necessarily want to play him because I thought Claxton, you know, at least provides, you know, some positives and the aspects in which Nets struggled where I think, you know, looking at it from a non-player or personnel perspective, it was really the free throw line and the offensive rebounding. You know, we saw the Bucks really dominate the offensive boards in this game, had 15, and I think it led to 20-plus second-chance points, and that's really the difference because you saw the Nets only take 84 shots and the Bucks took 98. Yeah, no, the Nets were out-rebounded 55-39, to 39, and the offensive glass was 15-6, to 6, and I feel like with Claxton, I mean, obviously he's a very talented player, but with him and Bruce Brown, I feel like the effort level and the yep. intensity that they bring to the court raises the level of play of the guys around him. And the Nets are definitely missing that because Bruce Brown, what he, I think Bruce Brown missed almost a week. Um, yep. And the Nets definitely missed that. And Nick Claxton's been out a few weeks and the Nets have definitely, you, you could see that they've definitely missed, you know, the intensity that he plays with. We missed it against Portland. We've missed it in these two games against Milwaukee. Maybe he plays against uh, Dallas or Denver a little bit more, and that could help us against a guy like Nikola Jokic. We'll see. But definitely, definitely missing him. And back to DeAndre Jordan for a second. I, he's turned into just a complete negative on yeah. the offensive end. And part of that is obviously we miss James Harden. And James Harden is, I feel like, the only guy on this team now who can at least turn something positive into DeAndre Jordan on the offensive end with the lobs. Other than that, I just there's not much that he's doing on the floor, even on defensively, right? He's only yeah. getting minutes right now, I feel like, because he's probably the best option against Giannis right now with the, with the way the roster looks right now. But even, even on defense, he, he wasn't showing effort against Giannis. I feel like there were times where he just gave up on plays before they were even done. It, it, it's just it's frustrating to watch, and if James Harden is back, I feel like maybe we can get a little bit more out of him. I remember Yes Network cut to a uh, cut to a clip of James Harden reacting to another DeAndre Jordan turnover, where he just you know put his hand on his head and like, come on, man. You know, James Harden feel I feel like he brings that like that uh, what's it called that accountability accountability. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah, the accountability factor that DeAndre Jordan has been lacking all season ever since he got to the Nets. It feels like, and Nets are definitely missing that with Harden. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, even even with Harden out there, though, some of the plays are like DeAndre's getting the ball in his breadbasket and he's just dropping out of bounds or he's not finishing over a smaller defender. And obviously, you know, the free throw shooting is going to be hit or miss, but it is definitely frustrating. And honestly, 
I think I like Blake Griffin a little bit better on Giannis just because he provides more mobility and he kind of forced some of those misses on the jump shot because at least he's willing to put in the extra effort to have the closeout. And he always has that aspect of willingness to kind of take a charge. He didn't get one tonight, but he had one in the previous game. And I think honestly, like I would like to see Nick Claxton on Giannis a little bit. I think he could provide just a different element. And like, you know, it's been said in the past, you don't want to allow superstars to get comfortable. And I think just throwing a lot of different looks at him will make him think. And that's when he kind of gets out of rhythm. And to be honest, like Giannis's game in comparison to the last, last one was substantially worse. You know, he scored 36 points, but he shot 11 of 30 from the field and four, 12 from three, 10 of 12 from the free throw line, 12 rebounds, four assists, one steal and five turnovers. So if this is the type of performance you're going to get from Giannis in the nets, like this, that is a winnable stat line. You know what I mean? Like in the last one, the last one, it definitely, it's hard to surpass when someone scores 49 points, but 11 of 30, you feel pretty good about that. No, you'll definitely live with that if you're the Nets, especially with the way your roster is constructed against a physical guy like Giannis. The only thing I will say about the way that they defended him tonight is the four threes that he did make. He had at least five to ten feet in front of him. And I'd like to see just at least a little more effort in closing in on him on the three-point line because obviously he's not going to shoot like that for an entire season, probably not going to shoot like that in a playoff series. But if he is, you know, shooting above 30%, I'd – from three, I'd rather not give him just, you know, a world in front of him to to take his time, set his shot, and get it up. Because he has improved his three-point shot over the last couple of months. And, yeah. and it's something that could bite the Nets in the playoff series if they just completely ignore it. I think Blake did a good job on it. You know, you allow mm-hmm. him to take the shot, but you try to rush the form a little bit because it is a slow shot. It's not like he has a quick trigger. And you even saw Kevin Durant do it. The problem on the KD play was he leaked out for that fast break and then never got back on Giannis back in the play. And then, like you mentioned, getting those wide open looks, which I think he is comfortable. But I thought also just like the Nets in general did a better, better job kind of taking him out of rhythm. And really it was like defensively they had some good possessions in this game and the Bucks only shot 44% from the field, 37% from three. It's like what we were talking about with the rebounding and just shooting, you know, 14 more shots is going to lead to a lot of wins. You know, even as efficient as the Nets were offensively shooting 48% from the field and 46% from three, if you're allowing your opponent to get more opportunities like they did tonight, it's just going to be tough to win. Yeah, and you can call it an off night from Joe Harris, but he even shot, you know, four of eight from three. I think the bigger thing was Landry going one of six from three. You you definitely need him to make more than one if he's taking six threes. Over the last couple months, he's been a very good three-point shooter, and you're relying on him to make some more of those, and that's definitely missed a guy like Tyler Johnson tonight. Uh, obviously, you know, you always miss James Harden, but it, it felt like the shooting at times for the Nets was, you know, it was on par with the Bucks. but if the Bucks are getting those offensive rebounds and they're making and they're getting more opportunities, at the end of the day, they're going to make more shots, and that's exactly what happened in this one. And like we kind of mentioned, excuse me, earlier was the Bucks were 22 of 27 from the free throw line. The Nets were 16 to 26, and the Nets have been very, very good. This was a season high in free throw misses for the Nets, shooting 61% from the line. Obviously, you don't really anticipate that happening over the course of a series. So I think that's something positive to look at that, hey, that's most likely going to change. And I think in terms of the offensive rebounding, that's an area where they can improve because you have guards getting offensive rebounds. You know, Dante DiVincenzo had six offensive boards. You know, that's that's just something that you just really can't see happen. Drew Holiday's a physical player. That's going to happen. Brooke Lopez is huge. Giannis is huge. But allowing the guards and the smaller players to get some of these rebounds, especially on just hustle plays, that's the type of thing that just is not acceptable in the postseason. And, and that's what I mean when I say that Nash frustrated me with Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton tonight. Because yeah. when we did see Bruce Brown finally get some minutes in the fourth quarter, his biggest impact was on those offensive rebounds, right? Three of them. 
Yep, and KD, you know, there was that one thing with Kevin Durant where Kevin Durant missed the three. Bruce Brown battled, I think, two Bucks defenders to get the rebound, knocked it back out to him. KD had a wide open look, and you know he missed it. But you're going to live with that shot. And Bruce Brown is so good at you know even though he's a guard, I think he's like what six four, six five, something yep. around there. And he's so good at just you know just the grit and and battling out those tough boards and getting extra opportunities for this team, it's so valuable. And I wish that we saw him a little bit more earlier. It's hard to play him with DeAndre Jordan and with the way that Jeff Green is playing right now. It's hard to play him with both of those guys on the floor, just because none of those guys I would call elite three point shooters right now. But I, I still I would much rather have seen him in the first half. Yeah, I think he provides a physicality, and also we saw him play some nice defense on uh, Drew Holiday in a couple of possessions on Chris Middleton. He did get beat a couple of times, but I think overall the Nets' defense was kind of out of cohesion. So I think also like he provides a physicality and different type of element than what some of the other players provide and gives you some versatility, and you can make some smart basketball plays out there. So definitely felt like Steve Nash. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Didn't have a feel for who he really wanted to play in this game. You know what I mean? He was kind of mm-hmm. set, felt like almost unsure with his own rotation for this specific game. And obviously you're going to feel that way when you're missing your second best player in James Harden and also, you know, the point guard of your offense. Yeah, no, he didn't do a great job, I think, in staggering KD and Kyrie in this one. Yeah. Like he normally does, but um, when you're going up against a team like the Bucks, I feel like you need to play them together as much as you can, just so you can go on those runs. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Nets did, just didn't have those runs in them. Yeah, and honestly, like, in no disrespect to Mike James, who signed a second ten day contract, you're replacing those minutes with James Harden. You know, yeah. Mike James did have ten points. He was four or six in the field, two two of three from three, and had three assists. But he was also a minus eight, and it just felt like. Having him on the floor during a, the fourth quarter for that extended stretch, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of. I got maybe the first two minutes with no Kyrie and KD on the floor, but I didn't really understand the idea of playing him out there with Kyrie and KD, just given you know mm-hmm. what he can do and what he provides defensively and even on the rebounding department. I thought that was an area where it's like, okay, that's that's a, an area where the Nets will have a dub in the future because the difference between Mike James and James Harden is extremely substantial. And excuse me for being unprepared here for a second. Was Tyler Johnson hurt, or was he just a DNP tonight? I believe he was just a DNP. Okay, that's that's, that's interesting. Anyway. Um, didn't play well yeah, in the last James... game, I think. So I mm-hmm. think it was kind of maybe Steve Nash saying, you know what, you didn't play well in this matchup. Maybe we'll try it another time or give some other guys an opportunity. I, I still prefer him to Mike James, but what I will say about Mike James is, A, he had that really, really nice step back three yeah. 
uh, in the fourth quarter, which is something that, hey, if he can do that maybe once or twice a game while we're missing James Harden, the Nets will certainly take that. But his passing, I think, has been really, really underrated since, you know, he signed that second, since he signed that 10-day contract. I feel like he's someone that the Nets have been, like I said last time, been relying on in that Chris Chioza role, but maybe a little better when it comes to scoring. I, I think that, you know, he's obviously someone that you don't want seeing a single second in the playoffs or in an important game like tonight. But when you have no choice, he's not the worst option to have out there. Yeah, I mean, given the expectation for him and somebody signing on a 10-day contract, I think he's, you know, played up to that standard, if not more. So, you know, no no shade at him or anything like that. It's just more so like, hey, James Harden is literally one of the best offensive players this generation. It's going to have a significant role on this team. And maybe we'll talk about James Harden and what he could have provided in a matchup like this. But talking a little bit more about tonight, you know, Kevin Durant, 32 points, 11 to 22 from the field, four of eight from three, six to seven from the free throw line, nine rebounds, six assists, one steal, two blocks, three turnovers. You know, he started this game extremely hot and same thing in the third quarter. And that fourth quarter, he kind of cooled down a little bit. Do you think that was just him missing shots, a little fatigue, a little rust? What, what were your thoughts on Katie and that, you know, little bit of a slow fourth? I'm not going to complain about a Kevin Durant game where he puts up 32 points on 50% from the field, 50% from three. But I felt like in the fourth quarter is definitely when the Nets needed him most. And like I said earlier, that the th- those two threes in a row that he missed really hurt. Obviously, I think it's a little bit of fatigue setting in with him. He missed over a month, and now he's playing 40 minutes in a very, very highly intense you know game against one of you know someone who always finishes top three in defensive player of the year voting. Um, it, it, it's a rough game. Um, for him to, it was a rough fourth quarter for him, but at the end of the day, there's nothing, nothing much for me to complain about. I thought he was very solid defensively. He had some really solid defensive possessions in this game. Uh, but no, I, I don't have any, any issues with him tonight. Yeah, I mean, KD, for the first three quarters, I mean, there was plays in this game where that were just insane, like ridiculous to the point. And also some credit to the Bucks who are playing him extremely physical, sending a lot of attention his way and making his life as, you know, as hard as possible. But still putting up a stat line of 32-9-6 and six on 50%, 50%, and 85 is not a bad game at all. So Kevin Durant was good enough for the Nets to get the win. And, you know, he continues to look like an elite player after coming back from a torn Achilles, a hamstring injury, and obviously the thigh contusion but moving on to Kyrie Irving who had a substantially better game tonight than he had in the previous matchup 38 points 14 to 25 from the field 6 to 12 from three four or five from the free throw line three rebounds five assists three steals two blocks three turnovers Kyrie really turned it up in comparison of what we saw in the previous matchup yeah it was uh I wasn't you know fortunate enough to be able to watch Sunday's game but I heard that he, he really struggled but for this one it really stuck out to me was his defense. I thought that he had some really, really nice defensive possessions. He had a couple blocks, three steals in this one. Um, I thought that was definitely an underrated aspect of him in this game. And offensively, it felt like, you know, there were times where maybe he went in a little bit of a slump in this one, but never to the point where you were concerned about it. And obviously he turned it on way more than he was off. Uh, you know, anytime that KD and Kyrie can combine for 70 points, the Nets have a great chance of winning. And, and in this one, it just came down to, you know, the Nets didn't have James Harden, the Bucks were more physical, the Nets were lazy. But, you know, when it comes to the two superstars, KD and Kyrie, nothing for me to complain about tonight. I thought that they were both very good in their roles. Yeah, I mean, a combined 25 of 47 from the field, over 50%. And, you know, Kyrie looked very comfortable attacking everyone on the Bucks and getting him to some better situations. And I think also with James Harden being back, hopefully during the series, obviously, 
it would be, hey, you know, we can get easier shots for Kyrie Irving. We can get easier shots for Kevin Durant, and we can get easier matchups for them just because the offense is going to just be a little bit more fluid than what we saw tonight. And also credit to the Bucks again because they have, you know, three of the best defenders. They might not be a better defender trio in the NBA other than Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And then they also have a guy like P.J. Tucker and even a great rim protector in Brooke Lopez. Yeah, no, the thing that I'll say about Kyrie and James Harden is Kyrie is definitely better off ball. And I, yeah. I feel like he's definitely missing that, right? Obviously, I think he's a very good passer. Um, there there are times when he makes passes that are, like, really, like, mind-blowing, but he's not. When when the story leaked earlier in the season where Kyrie went to Harden and said, hey, you're the point guard, I'm the shooting guard. I mean, that's really true, right? Like, yep. Kyrie, as, as good of a passer as he is, his best skill set is his scoring. Whether it's inside scoring, it's his three-point shooting, James Harden creating shots for Kyrie – and KD is when this team is at its best, and Kyrie being the primary playmaker on the floor is not the best option for this team. So that's another aspect where the Nets really miss James Harden. Yeah, I think where Kyrie struggles at times is initiating the offense and kind of getting guys in spots that they want to be. You know, you, a guy like Joe Harris and Landry Shaman, not to say that he's a bad passer, but like you said, he's more natural of a shooting guard, and James Harden's more of that playmaker. But moving on from Kyrie and KD, who were great tonight, 7-11 combo was cooking. Blake Griffin thought he had a solid game tonight, plus 13, nine points, played 27 minutes, three of five from the field, one of three from three, two of two from the free throw line, two rebounds, two assists, one block, two turnovers. You know, there was times where Giannis got the best of him, but there was also times where I thought Blake did a really solid job. Yeah, and like I say, every time that I come on this pod now, he, he's just kind of a do-it-all guy at this point in his career, right? Three, uh, One of three from three, three of five from the field. He's not taking that many shots. <laughs> what stood out to me? is I saw this stat on the Yes Network that he leads the league in charge calls, right? Yep. And, I mean, it's just – it's something that, you know, you wouldn't expect when you think about Blake Griffin. But with the way that he's been playing this season, he's just he, – he's been a very, very solid defensive player for the Nets, more than more so than I expected when he came over, right? And, yep. and on Giannis, I think that there were times when he definitely struggled and there were times that Giannis definitely got the best of him. But again, you know, it's the, it's two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. There's nothing much that you can do about it. I thought there were enough times when Blake didn't get embarrassed by Giannis that, you know, I, I'm okay living with him in those possessions occasionally. But at the end of the day, he's not who I want on Giannis. Yeah, I think he's one of the options that you look to throw at him. I don't know if you want to throw him at the entire game. Like I've mentioned before, I think throwing different looks. But again, Giannis 11 of 30, and I think some credit goes to Blake Griffin for at least attempting to close out on some of those jumpers. Obviously, some of it's just Giannis missing. But, you know, Blake is at least willing to kind of put his body on the line and make some plays out there. I think really more of the issue for Blake these days is when he gets caught up in space. You know, we saw him get switched on to Chris Middleton. Middleton looks very comfortable attacking him. Honestly, Middleton looked pretty comfortable attacking most of the Nets tonight. So uh, Blake Griffin... Again, you know, he's doing his job and what you expect of him. Obviously, you could cut those minutes down, get some Nick Claxton in there, provides a little bit much more defense, athleticism, uh, wingspan on that side of the floor. But moving on to Landry Shaman that we mentioned, you know, not necessarily a great game for him. Three points, one of eight from the field, one of six from three, one assist, one steal, one block. You know, he puts effort in defensively, but it's just going to be tough when you're one of eight or one of six from three. Yeah, no, the Nets definitely need him to do better than one of uh, one of eight from the field. He's someone that when he's going, the Nets are, are basically unstoppable because he's like the sixth, seventh option on this team. And obviously, you're not going to rely on him 
to make five, six threes in the game, but him going one of eight from the field and one of six from three is never a good recipe for the Nets. And I felt like tonight, defensively, he wasn't there. Offensively, definitely a lot of struggles. Uh, a minus three tonight, I just didn't get to the line at all. I felt like it was just a, a bad game from him overall. Yep, and those are going to happen. You know, role players are going to be inconsistent. There's a reason he's not a starter on this team and that his role is somewhat fluctuated, but he's been a lot better in the second half of the season. Hopefully he can kind of erase these games for the postseason but moving on to jeff green uh 10 points three of five from the field two of three from three two of six in the free throw line five rebounds one assist you know jeff green has moments where you really feel him in the game and then it's like other moments where he somewhat disappears or is making mistakes but again no. still solid of what you expect of a veteran minimum guy no very on and off player i mean going if you look at this box score from him and see three or five from the field and two or three from three, you're going to say, oh, that was a good game from Jeff Green. But it felt like there were times when he was definitely lost out there. There were times when he wasn't making as much of an impact as he should. And like you said, two or six from the free throw line. I mean, the Nets overall, like we've been talking about, the free throws eventually are what killed the Nets in this one, the free throws and the lack of effort. And I felt like Jeff Green was a big contributor to that in this game. Yeah, he just wasn't necessarily fully engaged in this one. There's a possession in the either third or fourth quarter where he's on Giannis, and his positioning is just substantially off, leads to an and one play for Giannis. And it's just those type of things that you have to remove. Obviously, everyone's going to make mistakes, but you want to limit your mistakes to the highest extent. And we didn't even really touch on it early on, but there was just some engagement mistakes defensively for off-ball stuff, guys making cuts, missing those box outs. And I think almost everybody on the team was probably a culprit of that, including next guy we're going to talk about, Joe. Harris, who had 12 points, 4 of 10 from the field, 4 of 8 from 3, 2 rebounds, uh, 1 steal. Just Joe looks like he's he looked a little frazzled to start this game, and then he was able to kind of calm himself down and hit some shots. But there's definitely points where it felt like the Bucks were attacking him on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and <clears throat> sorry. Um, and he's definitely someone where, you know, you'll take 50% from, the, from 3 from him, but he's definitely another guy who's missing James Harden. Because uh, James Harden is just so good at creating the best opportunity for everyone on the floor. But if you have James Harden, Joe Harris, and Kyrie and KD on the floor, Joe Harris isn't the first, second, or third guy the teams are going to be guarding, right? Yeah. So there's there's definitely times when when Joe Harris looks like you know the, the Bucks put more guys on him or, or pay more attention to him because you know the other options are DeAndre Jordan and, and Jeff Green, and you're gonna you know you're gonna look at Joe Harris before you look at the other two. So I yeah. felt like he was just a, a victim of of being the third best guy on the floor tonight more often than not. Yeah, and I think in some situations it might be like, hey, maybe we need to get Joe more time with a bench unit where there's lesser defenders on the floor and players that he can attack and maybe sub somebody else in the starters kind of early. But like you mentioned, James Harden kind of alleviates the pressure for a lot of players offensively. And, you know, anybody else you want to talk about in tonight's game, Will? Um, we talked about Mike James, Nick Claxton, only five minutes, definitely a, uh, a ramp up. One thing that I did want to talk about was the Nets' lack of ball movement in this mm. one. I felt like there were a lot of times where the Nets were kind of forcing themselves into ISO situations and nobody on the team had more than six assists. I, I felt like it was just a lot of times the Nets were, were kind of settling for some one-on-one -on -one matchups that weren't favorable to them, you know, going against Giannis, going against Chris, going against Drew. A lot of times where I felt like the Nets probably another pass or two could have opened up a better opportunity. By the end of the day, they just, they just settled for shots that, that weren't ideal for them. 
Yeah, I mean, only 21 assists tonight. We've seen this team, you know, have 30 assists, and some of that's, you know, with James Harden on the floor, and they miss some of that ball movement. And I think that's a great point, Will, because when you play a defense like this that's going to rotate and spend so much energy on that side of the floor, it's almost like a boxing match to the extent of, like, you're hitting them in the body and you're making them work and you're looking to try to fatigue them throughout the game and really make them work every single defensive possession. Obviously, you have the offensive talent to go ISO because you have two of the best scorers in the league, but sometimes it's better to save that for later in the game and just really force the defense to work on a regular basis and kind of second-guess them and also makes things easier for the role players because they do get open shots. There was a possession in the fourth quarter, you know, the ball was fizzing, Bruce Brown was in the corner, made a drive inside, led to a wide-open Kevin Durant three. Like, that's the type of stuff you want to do, and you can take advantage of teams that can be overly aggressive and overly physical, and one of the ways to do that is great, you know, ball movement. But obviously, it's going to struggle if you're missing your best passer as well. Yeah, of course. And, um, but like I said, you know, I felt like there were times where Mike James was going into ISO a little too much. Blake Griffin had one possession where he tried to do a spin move on, I think, Chris Middleton and it led to a turnover. And there were just times when, you know, guys that you don't want to have the ball in their hand had the ball in their hand a little too much. And, you know, part of that is it was, you know, during the portion when Katie and Kyrie were both off the floor together. Part of that is, you know, the Nets missing a couple guys tonight. But at the end of the day, when you have, you know, the opportunity to make one more pass and maybe it turns from a, a Mike James step back three to a Joe Harris better look or, you know, a Kevin Durant over Giannis, you know, jumper to a uh, Landry Shamet corner three. I, I feel like the Nets need to make that extra pass sometimes. And they tonight it felt like they just settled. Yeah, I think if there was a lot of times where there's just one extra play made defensively, offensively on the boards in transition, whatever it you know is, the Nets just kind of missed a cue on a lot of the small things tonight, and that's something that you want to see cleaned up before you head into the postseason because that can be the difference in the game. And like we said, and which we've alliterated on a couple times, is the offensive rebounding and the free throw shooting were pretty substantial tonight, and that was essentially the difference in the game. The Nets were the better shooting team. You know, the guys were able to light it up offensively, but they weren't able to secure defensive rebounds and also take advantage of their opportunities at the line. Yeah, no, and and when you go ISO a lot, like the Nets did, you're going to get to the free throw line a lot. And when you have, you know, DeAndre Jordan getting to the line a lot and Jeff Green getting to the line and they're not shooting well at the free throw line, you're going to lose, and that's exactly what happened tonight. Yep. And obviously, like we've mentioned before, and we've talked about a lot on the show and in previous games, is the absence of James Harden was felt tonight. Will, in your eyes, what would be some of the biggest aspects James Harden would provide this team if he was playing in a Nets-Bucks matchup? Uh, definitely the passing. And I think one thing that's underrated about James Harden is, is his defense. I feel like throughout his entire career, he's kind of had this mantra around him that James Harden is a terrible defender. He shows no effort on defense, blah, 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 blah. But we've seen countless times in his in, in this season with the Nets of him, you know, being the most physical guy on the team, him being able to, you know, body up some of the bigger players, guys who have six, seven inches on him, even in the post, right? I feel like his defense would be so big in a game like this against a guy like, you know, Chris Middleton, who felt like he was going after the Nets a lot. Drew Holiday and his step-back threes that he was making over and over again, it felt like. Even, you know, even maybe give him a couple possessions against Giannis, you never know what's going to happen. But I feel like, you know, the physicality that he brings. Obviously, we can go on and on about his passing and, you know, debate a wall if he's the best passer in the NBA or not. But beyond that, right, he's scoring too. Obviously, he's a great scorer. But he brings way more than that especially defensively and physicality-wise, and that's where we're absolutely lacking that tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, I also love what he does in the rebounding department. He's a guy that goes out there and attacks the boards and secures some possessions, especially against a guy like Dante DiVincenzo. And I think defensively, you know, at times his on-ball defense can not be amazing, but his off-ball defense, his basketball IQ, like you said, in the post, the physicality can provide. He's also has pretty active hands, so it's just another body out there. And then offensively, like you said, you know, the scoring, but also the playmaking and, and also just setting up the offense and getting guys to the spots they want to be and giving the Nets another elite offensive player. Now it's just that much harder where, hey, we have to worry about Kyrie and Katie, but there's also this guy, James Harden, who can get to the rim, hit a step back three, has shown the ability to have a floater, and also is you know, one of the best passers when it's in terms of attacking the rim. And like you mentioned earlier, could get DeAndre or Blake Griffin or possibly Nick Claxton some easy shots in this game. So James Harden's absence was definitely felt. But again, props to the Bucks because they just were the better team in this matchup tonight, and they played harder and they wanted it more. Yeah, did this game or these last two games change your opinion at all about the Bucks in the series against the Nets? I think they have impressed me to the extent where Giannis's, you know, ability has kind of been showcased a little bit more. And I think the the luxury of having three stars has definitely helped them. You know, the upgrade of Drew Hade over Eric Bledsoe is something substantial, especially can Drew can give you things offensively. I think Chris Middleton looks a little bit better. But I think overall, it doesn't really change a ton because, again, we didn't see James Harden tonight. And he's, you know, one of the best players in the NBA. And it's hard to ignore that fact. And I think there's different aspects of this game that would change. You know, I think the Nets rotation would get shorter. The minutes would be heavy. If you make mistakes, you're going to go straight to the bench. You know, I even think DeAndre Jordan would hopefully play better in a playoff series. And I think in terms of like some of the the Bucks rotation players, like a guy like Brian Forbes, I think the Nets could play off the floor. I think a guy like Bobby Portis, it could also be the same thing you know if you're in a series like that you want to specifically attack a player and make them uncomfortable and make coach Boonhoser, hey have to question you know if they're putting brian forbes in every action on the offensive end and they're getting switches against james harden or whoever it might be you're gonna have to consider not playing him and i think he somewhat plays a big aspect because he just provides another element of spacing for this team and also i think another huge factor in a series between the nets and the bucks would be physicality and if the nets can match it and how the refs are going to allow them to play because we've seen them kind of be able to push kevin around around a little bit yeah no and another guy that i want to that i think would make an impact in the series is uh is nick claxton right didn't have him on sunday had him only five minutes tonight and i don't think that I think he only had one possession against Giannis in this one. And, and I feel like he's just another option to throw at Giannis. And and when you're going up against a two-time MVP, a guy who's so physical, can, can score from a lot of different places on the floor, just having another option than DeAndre Jordan and, and Blake Griffin when they're struggling is it, going to do so much for this team. Because Nick Claxton, obviously, like I said, he brings energy. He's great with rebounding. He's great finishing inside when he has a guy like James Harden at point guard. I, I feel like adding him to this team uh, could just bring so much in, in a 7-6-5 game, whatever you want to call it, series against the Bucks. No, he definitely could. And he provides a different element that they really just don't have. The athleticism combined with the length is something that is just extremely unique. And with his quickness, you know, as good as Kevin Durant is defensively, you know, Nick Claxton is a better athlete. You know, the quickness is just there for him. He's a little bit younger. He's a little bit more spry. And he's going to possibly bring that spark in different moments. And in an area, I guess, where maybe a little bit more concerned with the Nets would just be, I would hope their defense would be a little bit further along. You know, I hope they would play mm-hmm. better in a game like this. Some of that could just be, hey, it is 
only the regular season. You know, guys possibly could step up and make more effort plays when it comes to the postseason, which I think is anticipated for every team. And you could make an argument that maybe the Bucks could do the same thing. So defensively, you want to clean things up. You want to make things harder for the Bucks, specifically in that fourth quarter where, it, like Ryan Rucco said on the broadcast, it was almost a layup line for two minutes. Yeah, no, and I, I feel like James Harden, as we said, adds a lot to this Nets defense and his IQ, right? And I feel like a lot of the Nets' problems in, in tonight's game was just effort. You know, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. They didn't show enough effort when it comes to rebounding. They didn't show enough effort when it comes to guarding, closing in on Giannis and Drew and Chris. And at the end of the day, I, I feel like if they show more effort, this team's going to be unstoppable, right? Three yep. superstars at the helm, surrounded by a great supporting cast and Joe Harris and Landry and Blake and Clax and whatever whoever else you want to put in that group, right? It, it just, if the Nets can show a full effort, I, I don't think that there's a team that can stop them in a seven-game series. Yeah, and I think that's really the question. You know, obviously they need to be healthy and they need to show the effort to make the small plays defensively and just the little things that are going to be a difference in a game and capitalize on our team's mistakes and not have so many self-inflicted wounds. And even just the aspect of, hey, if we're talking about the playoffs, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving are going to play 40 minutes or more. So now your rotation is even shrinking more because that spot of James Harden, now Steve Nash has given more options on what he can do and how who he has to rely on. You know, if, if Landry Shaman's having a bad game, he doesn't have to play him, not to say Shamit's, you know, the guy to blame for this loss, but it just gives Steve Nash almost to an extent more flexibility because he's filling in one of his slots with a star player for that time slot. No, and at the end of the day, that's what you want, especially when you have, you know, a young and experienced head coach, just give him as many options as he can to have, in, especially in a playoff series against a very good team that's been to the Eastern Conference Finals before. Uh, it, it just, it, it's definitely big for him. And, and one thing that I've been thinking about a lot this season is how much impact, you know, guys like Mike D'Antoni and Jack Vaughn have had on Steve Nash. Because I feel like having those guys in, in the corner of his ear has definitely helped him a lot. Yeah, for sure. Especially a guy like D'Antoni who has a ton of experience, has coached a ton of games in the postseason. He hasn't necessarily had the success he would have liked, but it still matters. He made Udoka as well as a guy that's been on that Spurs staff, been on that Sixers staff, has been in the postseason. So like you said, that's a big aspect. But Will, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Anything else I want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, one question that I had for you was the Nets are currently 25 and 8 at home, 18 and 15 on the road. The Bucks have a similar home road split. The Bucks are only half game out of the Nets and or a game out of the Nets in the loss column. How much do you think home court advantage would matter in the series? You know, I think in most seasons it would play a larger role, but just given, you know, with the pandemic and the lack of fans, I know there's some fans in the stands and there could be in the thousands during the postseason. I'm not sure it matters quite as much. And I think at the end of the day, typically the most talented team wins. And long as the Nets are healthy, they do have a talent gap on the Bucks. But again, the Bucks have an advantage when it comes to experience and cohesion because their big three has been healthy. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Giannis have played a ton of games together already. And Drew Holiday is kind of a plug-and-play type of guy given his skill set. So there are some advantages and disadvantages for both teams. I'm not sure I would think home court is going to be the deciding factor in a series between these two. Yeah, and I remember when those Warriors teams with KD, they were never, I don't think they were the one seed every year. I remember the Rockets at home court advantage in one yep. of the series, and it ended up not mattering to them. So, not something to super worry about, but just, you know, keeping an eye on the standings, Nets only one game up on the Bucks in the lost column. Something, just something to look at. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think ideally the Nets would like to have home court. The Nets would probably have liked to have the one seed. But the way the injuries have worked out this season and just having to rest guys, I think that's more important. It's going to give them a tougher road to the finals. But at the end of the day, 
if you're the most talented team, you just have to worry about yourself. Absolutely, Nick. So, Will, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening, and catch the buzz on all streaming platforms. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.